Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I've wanted to talk to this guest for quite some time. I'm glad I can. Let me preface it by saying that teachers across this country, Canada, are experiencing violence and harassment from students. The elementary, got it? Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario, those are the little kids, report 70% of ETFO members, those would be the teachers, have personally experienced or witnessed violence against staff members. We're talking about little kids. So let's talk to Britain's strictest headmistress about how students must behave in her school or face the consequences. Also, how at her inner-city London school, the emphasis is on the three R's. Imagine that. The approach is yielding great success, although not without its critics. Catherine Burble-Singh is the headmistress of the Michaela Community School in Wembley, London, in the UK, of course. And she spent some years of her youth in the Toronto area attending school. So, the strictest headmistress, I don't think you and I would have gotten along very well. Oh, no. no. We would definitely have got along because I would have made you behave. I know you would. <laughs> I mean, people say this to me all the time, oh, I would have got chucked out of your school. But um, they don't realize that they would have been different people in a different environment at school. Yeah. So, people imagine that strict means kids are sort of allowed to do what they like and the bad kids just get punished all the time. But you see, the bad kids change in an environment that has high expectations of you. Mm -hmm. um, all children change for the better in that kind of place. I mean, I think people imagine that I'm super strict, so I'm marching up and down the corridors with whips and chains. That's not the case. In fact, I'm barely, I'm in my office most of the time, meeting with teachers and ha having various meetings. I mean, the, what it is, what strict is, is a consistent approach across the whole school with all of the teachers, yeah, like where the behavior systems are so aligned and the expectations of the children are so aligned that the children simply don't misbehave in the first place. Yep. So, I mean, look, it, it's hard to believe, but all of your listeners are welcome to visit us. We get 800 visitors every year. And I have to say from across the world, there have been many Canadians who come to see us. Um, and they're always a bit kind of shocked. They say, how is it that the children are all putting their hands up to answer questions? How is it that they're not all fidgeting and they're not looking around? And, and how is it the guests come into the room and they're not distracted? It's because children will reach the standards that you set for them. So you should just set them really high. It's just that most people, their standards are far too low for children. And so children don't really make much of an effort. Yeah, we would have gotten along just fine. You and I. <laughs> We would. Just and fine. you would have been really pleased with yourself. So that's what I'd say. When our kids 
talk to the guests. The guests always say to me that what the kids say is the first two or three months, it's hard. They have to get used to it. They, they, you know, the idea of detentions and you have to learn how to sit still and to, to track the teacher. We talk about tracking the teacher and to concentrate. Sometimes I see children, especially any that, that join us uh, mid-year from another school, they might even be in tears saying that um, they've never had to concentrate so hard, never had to learn so much in their lives. But eventually they adapt and then they see the difference between themselves and their friends at other schools. And they see that their friends at other schools are disorganized, are late, are, are look like a mess, don't know very much, um, are unable to think in, in, in interesting ideas about the world because their brains are not filled with knowledge in the way that our kids are. So, you know, like our kids then feel really lucky and think, oh, thank goodness I'm at Michaela because I'm learning so much and I'm a much better version of myself here than I was elsewhere before I came here. Preparation and, for life. Preparation for it, life, isn't it? Exactly. So it's not just the, you know, when things start unraveling, and I have to say in Canada, I mean, I, you know, I, I was there until the age of 15. You know, my parents are still there. I go to Toronto twice a year. My sister and her family are there. My best friend from the age of six, um, we were in grade one together. Uh, she and I, you know, are constantly in touch. And um, this is all in Toronto. And her sister is a teacher, actually. And um, honestly, I, I think Canada is in a worse position than we are in the UK. So let me I just ask you this then. Let me, let me get you to respond to this. What's your reaction to the news of Canadian teachers' federations declaring large numbers of teachers, talking about little kids now, right, elementary, large numbers of teachers, 77% have been subjected to violence and harassment by their students. Yeah. How, how well, do you I mean, react to that? What I just said, things are worse for you. Uh, I mean, we get some of that here, but most of it is at high school level. Mm -hmm. Um if you've got that happening at elementary level, you have your schools are on fire. And the thing is, is that your government and your your your, your edu the world of education in Canada doesn't recognize any of this. And um, Canada is very woke, you know. So when I go to Toronto and I and I turn on the radio. I have to turn it off because it's just so horrifying. I just can't bear listening to it. Um, and so all of these woke ideas. So woke isn't just, I mean, it includes, but it isn't just, you know, uh, putting black boxes up on Instagram and being supportive of BLM and all of the more modern stuff around LGBTQ and so on. I'm not, it, it is that, but it's also what it's been for the last several decades, which is, allowing children to lead the learning in the classroom and to lead the culture in your school. And people didn't think it was a big deal in the 80s and the 90s when they allowed that to happen. So instead of desks, so desks in our school are in rows. And um, the, the teacher at the front of the class is leading the learning and is in charge, is the authority in the classroom. Whereas uh, for, for decades now, it's been the case in many schools that the desks are in groups and the children are looking at each other. And that is what's called child-centered learning. And it's the children who lead the learning and the teacher who moves amongst the desks as a facilitator of learning, just trying to keep the kids on task. Mm -hmm. Now, it was that move towards children leading things that has now created this is we've just we're at the other end now where there is total chaos in the schools, where there's violence against teachers. There's also obviously violence amongst the, the, the pupils, the um, 
The, the teachers are not in authority anymore. There's no more respect for them. And I would argue that it's the same thing in families, that parents are trying to be friends with their kids instead of leading them and holding them to account. We teachers and parents should be holding the line. When children say, I want to just, you know, play video games or I want to be on my phone. First of all, you shouldn't give your kid a phone. I mean, Bill Gates didn't give his children data until they were 16. But Steve Jobs, when interviewed in 2010 about the iPad and asked about his children using the iPad, he said, of course, I'm not giving my children the iPad. That would be insane. And um, the guys, the big fat cats in California are making billions off of our stupidity. They, they protect their own children from this technology. They send them to the most traditional school in um, Silicon Valley where they're using pen and paper and so on. Meanwhile, we all are sending our children to schools with iPads to move from classroom to classroom, giving them phones. The children are totally uh, no longer connected with reality. They sit at break time and at lunchtime on their phones like zombies. They're not playing. They're not interacting. They're not being socialized. Now, all of this is happening. Meanwhile, the children are then leading everything. They are totally influenced by social media. So it's like a combination of of the the so-called modernity of, of, you know, of tech and all of that combined with us just having relaxed our our jobs as adults. So the thing is, we should be in charge. We are the ones who owe these children. It is our duty to be in charge and to lead the way. And, but people th- think of it as mean. You know, if you type into Google, uh, who is the strictest teacher in the world, my name comes up. And of course, people think that means I'm mean. It doesn't mean I'm mean. It means I love children. It means I love them enough to do what's right by them. And unfortunately, there are too many adults, both teachers and parents, who won't do what's right by children. They would rather take the easy road out and just be friends with the kids because in that moment, it's quite hard to give the detention. It's quite hard to say to your child, no, sit down and read a book instead of just playing on your video games. It's hard to hold the line. And so we take the easy way out. And in the end, we let children down. I want to give you a standing ovation of one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's why your children, your teachers are being beaten up. I mean, and people then say, oh, my goodness, it must be a mental health crisis. It must be special needs. It's none of that. It's the fact that we have lost control as adults and we are the ones who are at fault here. And then, well, the mental health crisis is real. But the the reality is that these children are being made mentally ill by all of their their time on social media. I, I would suggest all of your listeners Take your ch- if you've given your child a phone. So if you haven't given your child a phone, hooray, you're a great parent. If you have given your child a smartphone, I would suggest you take the phone without telling them at the end of an evening and take a look at how much time they've spent on that phone that day. Look at their screen time, right? Look at how much time because you're going to be shocked. Okay. And, um, and then without them knowing, go on the history and look at the websites that they're going on. Mm-hmm. You know, find me the 14-year-old boy who has a phone and has unsupervised access to the internet, and you will find me a boy who regularly goes on porn. It is, you know, it used to be the case that the pornography was just in magazines and it was at the top shelf behind some wooden barrier or whatever in the 1980s. Nowadays, it's not just magazines. The children have direct access to pornography in video form on their phones. And parents don't think to themselves, gosh, actually, I wouldn't want them to have. You know, you know, what you're just telling me is is, is fascinating. And I, I don't I won't dis- I can't dispute it. I don't want to dispute it. But it reminds me of a conversation I had a number of years ago about bullying. 
And a principal of a school in Canada was very concerned about bullying. And he said, Roy, it's not the traditional bullying where it took place in school and then when the, the student went home, they were safe from the bullies. Now they have phones. Now they have access to social media and they can bully all day, all night long. And then we wonder why there is a mental health crisis. And then you're, and you're, so this is what you're telling me is an extension of what I heard that day. Now, what are the parents of your students? Because you're not living in a, you're not, your school isn't a very um, uh, um, uh, wealthy area of London, right? Yeah. So how, no, how, it's in the inner city. So all those films that you see, you know, about inner city schools with all the, the troubles that inner city kids have, right. that's our school. You know, uh, kids who might get, you know, murdered down the road by some gang, uh, kids who might join a gang, kids who are involved in criminal activity, uh, knife carrying and all of that. That is the sort of thing. That so that's what they're exposed to outside the school. Yes. But when they're in the school... Um, and plus, you know, we're very keen on obviously trying to help them when they're outside the school. So we right. get, get them on the buses right away to go home straight away after school. All of my staff are outside at the end of the day, making sure the children are safe because they are in genuine danger, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, it's the case that we say to all the families joining. So our high school starts in grade seven and then goes all the way through till they go off to university, etc. And um we, I say to the parents, do not give your child a smartphone. And I'd say about half the parents listen to me and do not give their children a smartphone. And that it's unbelievable how I can anecdotally, I can tell you right now, those phones break your child's brain. They will not do as well in their exams because of that phone. And secondly, it opens them up to not just to pornography, but to real danger. Uh, the kinds of pet predators that are out there who will know where your child lives, know their route to school, know their friends. They know exactly how to groom them. And there are all sorts of mothers out there right now campaigning whose children have been murdered because they gave them unsupervised access to the Internet and they didn't know any better. So I'm not blaming your listeners. I get it. It's a new technology. We don't know. But that's why I'm just shouting and shouting about this so that people can hear me. Anecdotally, I can tell you, I can see the difference. So we have a top set, second set, third set, fourth set that are that are streamed according to ability. So the brightest are in the top, the, you know, the not so bright at the bottom. I see the kids who move sets. There are some kids who move from the fourth set up to the top set and the other way down, round, top set going down to the bottom set. I can tell you for every child without, a, without exception who moves sets like that, the kids without smartphones are moving up and the kids with smartphones are moving down. Now, I see it. It's just obvious to me that the children who have smartphones are not learning as much. They're not as bright. And they, they, they may start off as bright. They start off in grade seven as being at the top, and then they slowly go down because they have got access to that smartphone. Uh, Ms. Burblesing, let me just uh, read you a couple of uh, texts I received. Uh, howdy, Roy. She rocks. This is, <laughs> this is Daryl in... Uh, in New Brunswick from Calgary. I'll stand up with you, Roy. I think I just fell in love. Oh. And, and let's see what else we have here. From uh, Alberta, another one. Roy, I love this lady. And on and on it goes. You've really well, connected with our listeners, and I knew you would. Lots of ordinary people who would prefer the education system to do what I'm saying. You asked about whether or not there are people changing. So yeah. there are. There, we get 800 visitors a year. 
from across the world. Right. So ordinary teachers, some head, head teachers, principals who come and they change things in their schools. And then they write me letters to say, thank you so much. We've made, we're copying you in this way and that way. And our schools are better off for it. And what are they copying? Well, they're being more traditional. So the teacher is standing at the front and leading the learning, their behavior, they just tighten up on behavior. They teach the kids gratitude and kindness and a sense of duty towards other people. When you get of detention. You don't just let yourself down. You let the whole class down. You know, all of those small C conservative ideas uh, will change the culture in your school for the better. And I, I find people come and, and, and do that and they change things. Now, when it comes to more of the establishment, however, that's a different matter. So we have tried to expand. That hasn't necessarily worked. I've, I've, I've come across a lot of stumbling blocks when trying to spread things through a more official channel. But underground, via teachers who just come and visit and on social media and on programs like yours, just trying to spread the word and make makes a real difference. People, ordinary people think, oh my goodness, I'm not crazy. Teachers from around the world write to me and say, thank goodness somebody's saying something. So things are changing, but, but very, very slowly. And it's such a shame. It's because the, the educational establishment is just very left-leaning. And yep. so they find my small C conservative values offensive I, themselves. I have to jump in. I hate to do this, but uh, we have run out of time. I do hope you'll come back on the program, though. Yes. Well, thank you very much please, for having me. Please. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.